y'all will open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be studying today. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. And he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts with wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when they saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. He said, you brood of snakes! He exclaimed, Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe. We're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children from a, of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water, those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is calling soon, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I will not even be worthy to be a slave to him and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven came, and it said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Father God, I thank you for this time to meet together as a faith family, Lord. And God, as I attempt to preach your word, I just ask that you would uh, guide me through the Holy Spirit, Lord. God, that you would ignite our hearts, our passion for your word, that you would just bring to mind all those things, these lessons that you've taught us throughout the years, and just reestablish the truths of your word, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time together. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
So we stand in an interesting space, uh, place here in time in America. It's New Year's has come and gone, right? New Year's Eve, Christmas, the holidays, it's come and gone. We're in this strange position where we start to actually implement the changes in our life. Because we have this crazy tradition in America that we review our lives and we say, okay, I did this right, I did this wrong, I, I, I messed up here, I didn't get in the gym enough, I, I don't think I spent enough time with my family, I don't know if I was really in God's Word enough, and, and all these changes start pulling at our hearts, driving us to do more with our lives, to get more out of our time here on earth. And it's really interesting because God's Word has specific guidelines that guide, guide our hearts to change. Matthew chapter 3 is filled with truths. Filled with truths to help us change who we are from who we want to be. Because let's face it, as we look at our lives, nobody's happy with the way you are. We all know that we fall short. Does that make sense? We are not the people that God created us to be, because if we were, we would be perfect. We would be walking with Him in the garden. We would be holding hands with Him in the cool of the day. He would be speaking to us audibly. And things are not the way they should be. Well, there's some interesting truths in the book of Matthew. There's some interesting truths in the book of Matthew. Matthew's book was written from the perspective of confirming Jesus Christ as Savior. It was written for the Jew, from a Jewish perspective. An attempt to, to help other Jews understand this is actually the Messiah. This is the King. It establishes the kingship of Jesus Christ. And there's some interesting details that a lot of people don't know that even exist within this little section of Scripture. We've all heard the, the story of the baptism of Jesus. We've all heard the story of John the Baptist. But we don't really realize all the different details that bring Jesus' kingship to the forefront. One of the most significant details was the location. Right? John baptized in the Jordan River, am I correct? Has anybody been to the Jordan River? I've not been, but I'd like to. Sometimes they go there on the internet. Type in there. Oh, Hallelujah. Here I am. Jordan River. Has anybody seen a picture of the Jordan River? Yeah. It's about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. It is not as beautiful as the movies make. You know? If you really look at it, actually, I was showing my class. Um, I'm a, uh, I teach one course at Summit Christian Academy, a private school in uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. Um, and I teach a government course, and we're actually studying a little bit out of Matthew before class. And I pulled up the Jordan River for my class, and I said, guys, check this out. And we're looking at it, and it's pretty gross. It's like it's not like clear, blue, beautiful water like the cartoon shows show you in kids' church. It's actually like really gross and swampy looking. Yeah, it's really thick and murky. It's full of, of grime and dirt. Um... It's not exactly the most beautiful place to, to start your ministry. But it's significant. It's significant. 
You see, the east bank of the Jordan River would have been where the children of Israel would have crossed over. They would have crossed over into the, into the new promised land that God would have provided. There's a lot of old Jewish traditions that have significance of submerging somebody into a pool of water. This would have been on the forefront of the minds of the people back then when they read this. Anybody ever heard of a, the Jewish tradition of, of ceremonial cleansing in the mikvah? Yeah, there's this old Jewish tradition that the believers would gather together outside of the temple. There was a little, like, a little, little rock house, basically, created with a pool of water carved into the bottom of this uh, little place and you'd step down into it and you'd walk over and you'd ceremonially cleanse yourself of unrighteousness. Especially if like you'd, you'd maybe handled blood or you had a sore or you were ceremonially unclean for some reason. It would be a way to cleanse yourself and allow you to go into the temple. Pretty interesting. Now the Jordan was not that. The Jordan was far from that. The Jordan, actually, the only thing we know about the Jordan was that it was filthy. It's the place where Israel crossed over. It was a filthy place. It was not ceremonial clean. There would have been animals coming and going through that place. As you walk into the Jordan River, your feet will sink into it, and the silt and the muck and the mire turns the water into a quagmire of, of greenish goop. You could lift up a, a glass of water and look through it, and you'd see the gunk floating around in there. Anybody ever gone swimming down at Truman Lake? If you wore a white t-shirt, it was not white after you got out of the water. That's what water looks like when there's life in it. When, when people are traversing in and out of water. And that's significant. Another interesting thing about his baptism was that you would start on the east bank. You'd descend into the water, be baptized, and then emerge on the West Bank. Just like the kids of Israel, the children of Israel, right? It's a symbolic. Symbolic of that crossing over into a new life. A crossing over into a new world that God has prepared for you. Now, another really interesting thing is the, the mikvah was not only used just to cleanse for temple use and whatnot. It was also a good way to get Gentiles to purify themselves before they entered into the temple, before they became a part of, of Jewish life. And so a Gentile would be ceremonially washed, ceremonially cleaned, baptized into the water. They didn't call it baptizing. The phrase, the phrase baptizing, baptism comes from baptismo, which is a Greek word, so they probably would have never even used it. Probably just something that the Christian church, from reading in the Greek, has just, you know... Just pulled from that meaning. Another interesting thing is to remember this is the same river that Naaman was told to go baptize himself in. Remember Naaman? Yeah. Naaman was the Old Testament character. He went to the prophet Elijah and he had, a, he had leprosy. And he goes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, I've got leprosy. I've got to get myself cleansed. Elijah doesn't even have time to see him. He says, go, go dip yourself into the Jordan River. It'll cleanse you. 
And Naaman, in his indignation, he was like, man, I've got rivers where I come from. I could go dip myself in there. I've got much cleaner rivers. Believe me, I don't need to spend time in the Jordan. But his servants are like, listen, just do what the prophet says. Let's see what, what harm could happen. Why not give it a shot? Why not take a step in faith? And sure enough, Naaman steps out in faith. And what happens? I'm a teacher, so um, my, my questions aren't rhetorical. What actually happened? <laughs> what happened? He was cleansed. Miraculously changed miracle signs and wonders. He was cleansed. He was made clean. He was made right with God and righteous. And in his excitement, he walked over to, ran back to Elijah and he said, Oh, this is amazing. I've just been cleansed. He says, I need the dirt from the banks of this river to take back to my home country. And you say, dirt from the river. Wow, that's some weird stuff. Uh, why on earth would you want dirt from a river? That is the strangest thing. Oh, I tell you why. Because back in those days, Naban had an interesting piece, position in court. He would accompany the, the king into worshiping false gods. And Naaman didn't, had so much admiration and love for the Lord and what he had done. He realized he was the one true God. So Naaman would take the, the soil and would sprinkle it down at his feet before he would kneel at the altar of this foreign God because he had to assist the king to do these things. That's significant. Why is that significant? Well, number one, because it could have cost Naaman his life, by the way. At these times, it wasn't just a circumstance where people could just say, well, you know, I go to the, uh, I go to the Mennonite church, or I go to the Nazarene church, or I go to the Baptist church, and everybody's okay with that. This was a time where your allegiance to God meant more than that. It could have cost you your head, and it did for many people. And so Naaman's taking a tremendous risk. And he just, he has to honor God. He says, no, if I'm going to kneel, I'm going to kneel on holy ground. And I will kneel to the one true king. The prophet Elijah allows this. The difference between Naaman and a lot of us in our lives is there's change. Significant change. A change he's willing to risk his life on. Interesting. Another interesting thing is, like, anybody ever realize that this story is a story about not just John the Baptist baptizing people, not just John the Baptist starting his ministry, not just a prophetic confirmation of Jesus, but it's actually Jesus coming and getting baptized. I might be one of those guys who overthinks things. I, I the type of guy that once I get interested in something, I read and study and read and study and read and study. About everything I could possibly find on it. Because it fascinates me, this whole point. Why did Jesus need to come and be baptized? Have you ever asked yourself, Son of God, He's perfect in all things. Why does He need to be baptized? Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Baptism is not just not just an agent of change, it's an agent of submission. An agent of submission to God's will on earth. 
and you say, well, okay, that's... Oh, you're missing the spirit, Shannon. You're focusing on obedience, not the spirit of what's going on. No, that's, that's part of it. That's a, it's an integral part of it. Sometimes we don't know why we do the things we have to do. We just know that God tells us to do these things, so we act in obedience. We act in trust. We act in faith. We just move in that direction because we know if we do this, we don't know why we do it. We just know that if we do it, God will bless us. Because this is what God has asked us to do. And how many times have you just wished your kids would just do what you say because you said to do it? Right? Every one of us, we've got stories of these times where we've seen our children struggling with something. And I'm like, just do it! Like Xavier will be kind of hanging out at the house and the trash will need to be taken out. And he's like, yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. And I'm like, no, dude, just go do it, man. Do it now. I want it done now. But at the same time in my own life, how many times has God just told me, Shannon, just walk in faith and obedience. Just walk out these steps. Just do it. And, and I, I, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Now, we must remember that the Word of God is making specific mention of the condition of our lives when it talks about the Jordan River. Our lives are the Jordan River. They're murky. They're confusing. They're, they're filled with iniquity. They're filled with, with, with uh, unclean living. And you say, but no, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Well, Jesus had an answer to that guy, too. Remember the guy said, Jesus, what, uh, what do I need to do to get everlasting life? And Jesus said, he said, oh, okay, well, follow the commandments. You know what they are. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal anything. Don't commit adultery. And he says, yeah, yeah, the rich young ruler. He says, I've done all those things. I'm good. And Jesus does it correctly. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And follow me. Even if you look at your life and you say, but I'm living a righteous lifestyle. Everything, everything God tells me to do, I do it. I go to church. I, I pray every day. I, I'm in my Bible. I'm listening to sermons. I believe. All right. Sell everything you have. Go after Jesus with every minute of every single day. Because that's what God is calling us to. He doesn't just take us where we are and say, okay, this is who you are. And I, well, you're broken. No, he wants to put you back together. He wants to make you into something incredible. And that's what baptize, baptism is all about. Walking out of obedience. Because God wants to put you together to be a force in the kingdom of God. Jesus was perfect in all things, but he walked out in obedience. You know, the essential message of John's preaching was to prepare the way for the Savior. His message was a message of preparation. And we have to ask ourselves, is our heart today prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ? Is our heart in a position of obedience? Is our heart in a in a in a position to follow Jesus. A lot of people look at the word submission and they think, oh, well, that means I just got to do what I'm supposed to do. Right? Wives submit to your husbands and then everybody gets all uptight about it. 
Oh, it's uncomfortable. Submission is, is poorly translated in English. The real meaning of submission is to mobilize. It means to mobilize behind something. Like a troop, like, a, like, a, like a, an army. You mobilize behind your general. You mobilize behind your, your leader. That's what God is calling us to do. Mobilize behind him. Baptism removes the filth from our spirit so that the Holy of Holies can now dwell within us. You see, this action of baptism was reversal of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of man, actually. God's kingdom was now not just in a temple. In the Old Testament, you would have to go to the temple, you'd have to show up, you'd have to be ceremonially clean, buy an animal of some sort, ox, or ram, or lamb, or a dove, at least a dove. Matter of fact, a dove's the cheapest thing you could buy to go sacrifice at the temple. And you have to go present that, and you're going to have to chop it in half, and things are going to get messy, and you're going to have to do some prayers, and then maybe if you're just lucky enough and you're a priest, and you've done everything right, you can walk into the holies of holies and be with God and dwell with the Spirit of the living God. Baptism changed that. You no longer have to go to the Holy of Holies, do you? You no longer have to go through all these these rites and rituals. It's literally Jesus comes to man and God's Spirit dwells within him through these actions. God now not only wants you to wants to walk with you, he wants to walk in you. In you as a believer, in his spirit, and in you as a congregation. That's amazing. We were created to walk with God. In the cool of the day, we are created to be his children. We are created to, 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 to walk with him and talk with him so that he could just fill us with his glory. And that's significant. That's why baptism is so important. That's why this chapter out of Matthew is so significant. God wants to dwell within you. The biggest result of baptism is the idea of repentance and change. The idea of repentance and change. We do these things out of obedience to the Spirit because the Word of God tells us to. We want to wash away all the filth and disgust that's in our souls and we want to start anew we want to start afresh we want to change our lives and that's the most significant piece of baptism not that we want to have a cute little ceremony but that would change who we are that our lives would suddenly turn away from those things that we're the sinful baggage that we carry every day because we all have them right I hope I hope we do let me say that again. We all have sinful baggage, don't we? I'm not the only one. If so, I might be in trouble. We've all got stuff we, we've done or we, we do, things that are part of our life patterns. Maybe the movies we watch. Maybe the things we eat. Maybe it's, it has something to do with the way we treat other people. Usually it is. Those are all issues that we have to, to wrestle with within our heart. 
Baptism was a way to turn from that. Now, if you've been baptized, that's fantastic. And maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor, I've been baptized. Man, that happened in 1983. I have no need for another baptism. You probably don't. You probably don't. But you know what? You probably still have that need to change your nature. You probably still have the need for Jesus to live inside you and to guide you in your walk every day of your life. And that's the significance of baptism. Repentance is a threefold action. In the understanding, it means the knowledge of sin. In the feelings, it means the pain and grief. And in the will, it means changing of the mind. All three, mind, will, and emotion. A total transition. You should not be the same person. Every year you should grow and change. Every year you should turn away from your sinful actions. Because if God showed you all your sinfulness all at the same time, you wouldn't be able to bear it. And you don't have to because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And that's his plan of salvation. To die for your sins so you can turn away from them and walk clean and clear and straight into glory. Straight into the promised land. Praise God that we're not alone in the muck and mire of our lives. I praise God that, that every time we find ourselves confronted with our sin, we can remember, hey, I was baptized. The Lord's Spirit dwells within me. I no longer have to live this life. We're going to disperse from here shortly. We're going to go out and do our lives. We're going to we're going to go and meet with our families. We're probably going to go get some Chinese food or maybe have a home-cooked meal or something along those lines to fellowship, right? And if you weren't thinking about that before, you are now. We're all going to leave here. We can't dwell here in this building, in this beautiful sanctuary. And this is a beautiful sanctuary, by the way. This is amazing. It's really beautiful. But you know what? Jesus can dwell within us. Jesus can dwell within you. And you can take him everywhere you go. Because the Holy of Holies now dwells within you. New Year's resolutions don't usually work. Gyms becomes ghost towns by March. And diets are abandoned a short leaf thereafter. But baptism is a commitment towards righteousness. The changing of who we are for the glory of God's kingdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just ask that, Lord, these words would resonate deep within our hearts. God, that you would change us. That you would first bring repentance to our hearts. Repentance for the sins that we've committed, Lord God. Because all of us are falling short, falling short of the glory of Jesus. God, I just ask as we leave this, this congregation that, Lord, you would be with us, that you would guide us, that you would show us what to do to be a reflection of you on the earth. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.